Hello and welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. Today's hot topic is imposter syndrome. Once we're done dishing all about that, Anne's going to share with us her life or mom fail for the week. Maria's got a hilarious life win for the week. And then I'm going to finish things out with a clinic hack that will hopefully help you soon, very soon. Join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to DVM Divas Beyond the Stethoscope. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is dominated by women. In fact, we make up over 60% of the workforce, and that number just keeps growing. But it's not just the numbers that are growing. Our stress and frustration levels are climbing at exponential rates. Between social media challenges, public misconceptions, and the constant competition with Dr. Google, we're finding it harder and harder to be happy and fulfilled veterinary women. Because of this, depression and suicide rates are at all-time highs in our little corner of the world. And in order to help us combat these things, we need an outlet. We need a safe place where we can open up and discuss all of the issues that we are currently struggling with. So listen along as we, the DVM Divas, discuss our trials and our troubles, as well as celebrate our wins and accomplishments. And join us as we forever test the limits of what it means to be a badass woman in the veterinary industry. So, who are we? Well, I'm Melissa. I'm a Kansas State grad and have been practicing for nearly 20 years. I have a mixed animal practice with my husband and one other partner. And I'm a mom to three very busy kids. One in elementary, one in middle school, and one in high school. Hi, I'm Annie. I too am a wife and a mama and a veterinarian. I am a Washington State grad that has done a little bit of everything as far as veterinary medicine is concerned. I'm really excited to be here, share my story, and get to hear your stories as well. My name is Maria. I am a full-time small animal veterinarian and a full-time mom to two beautiful little boys. Currently, I am practicing on the East Coast after trying our luck on the Front Range in Colorado for a year. After missing our family and, of course, the delicious food and the beautiful ocean, we decided to come back to Jersey, where we are finally home. Follow us on Instagram at DVMDivas. Like us on Facebook and join our group at DVMDivas Beyond the Stethoscope. Want to discuss something or interested in being a guest? Email us at admin at DVMDivas.com or comment on one of our social media profiles. We hope you will come along and leave your stethoscopes at work and join us. Laugh with us cry with us as we take this profession back from discontent. Grow with us as we remember why we ever wanted to be veterinarians in the first place. Well, hello, ladies. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. I have a cold, so I'm going to apologize for the croakiness of my voice and try really, really hard not to cough into the microphone. so. So our hot topic today is the imposter syndrome. And I am imagining every single one of us I know has dealt with this, has felt it, has lived through it. I'm sure everybody listening, if you're not familiar with it, the imposter syndrome basically is being in a position where you feel like you are inadequate, you are underqualified, you are in over your head, but you got to get through it and you got to do it anyway. Kind of that fake it till you make it mentality. So what can you guys tell me or what can you guys share about some imposter syndrome experiences you've had? So I feel like I have imposter syndrome every day. 
<laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, you mean like five minutes ago when I was like, can I really be on a podcast? Can I really be doing this? There are way bigger professionals than me. <laughs> As I sit here with my Chromebook, like, am I really ready for this? It's every day. I mean, every single day to when I was in the store yesterday and I get a phone call from another vet and asking me questions. And I'm like, I'm supposed to go to somebody above me to ask them questions. (laughs) And like the craziest (laughs) thing is that I actually had the answer. I still sometimes feel like I lack the confidence and I'm like, I shouldn't be the one answering this phone. It's definitely something after being out for so long. I'm like, I still don't understand how I still have it. Do you find that you have it more at work or in like your clinic life, or do you feel it as a mom or as a wife or all of the above? I have it in all aspects of my life to the point, like, I still feel like I'm that 21 year old kid that shouldn't have a four and a two year old running around. Sometimes I'm like, isn't their mom going to come and pick them up? I've been babysitting for five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's in all aspects of life. My own personal opinion is everybody, every single person, no matter what field they are in, they have it. And we're never going to get rid of it, no matter who you are and where you are. It's just learning how to actually deal with everything and how to take your mindset of you're not supposed to be here to damn right I'm supposed to be here. And how about you? I'm getting better at managing it, I guess. You know, I still feel it at work sometimes, probably not as much as I did as when I first came out, you know, just right out of graduation. I'm like every day they're going to figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then definitely as a mom, the first kid, definitely way worse. So I think it's, I think it's getting better and I'm definitely learning how to manage it and build the habits to kind of keep it at bay better, but it still will sneak up and bite me in the hind end, you know, today. I can't believe I have a podcast. Who do I think I am? What am I doing? I mean, I don't have it. We have it. So for sure, I mean, who, how can you not have it when you first graduate and you get out into your, your real job or your first position? I think that it comes with the territory and, and you should have a healthy dose of that. I mean, because if you come out thinking you know everything, you're going to get burnt pretty bad. And I think really, I've always been okay with saying, I don't know. And I found that if I am just sort of honest, when I don't know something that I actually gain, I think a little bit more trust and respect from my clients. And so rather than fake it till you make it, yes, there are situations when you do just have to, you know, put on your big girl panties and get things done. But just being able to say, I don't know the answer right now, but this is, these are the steps we can do to get the answers. You know, this is the test we can run. These are the, you know, the questions that we can ask and, and have that conversation with my clients, especially. I, I feel like they are receptive to that. And nobody has looked at me and ever said, what you don't know, who are you? You know, nobody, nobody's ever said that they go, okay. So they look to me to help them figure it out. And that's what we do. Completely agree with that, Melissa. Like, I think that's how I survived the first few years. And then I just kept it as a habit. You know, I just, I made that habit early on. I kept it. I'm still not afraid to be like, you know what? I don't know, but I got some good friends who might be right back or let me send an email. Let me reach out. Just give me a minute. And I think so many people are just so grateful to have somebody even try to help them that 
they don't necessarily care that I don't know the answer that minute on the spot in the exam room. Worst case scenario, so what? They say, they think in their head, because you're right, nobody's ever said to my face, you don't know it, I don't like you. They don't come back. And at first, that thought used to bother me. But now I think I'm mature enough and far enough along in my vet med career that if that thought bothers you that I don't know everything right on the spot, then we're not a good fit for each other. And that's okay. You need to find another veterinarian that can help you and your pet. And it's just not me. Let me give you some names. I've got some people that are like amazing on their feet here. Go see my, my girl next door. Go, you know, go see the guy down the road. And so, but I think, do think it's helped a lot. So I was just talking with a client recently and this guy was very, um, he complains a lot until (laughs) I started seeing him and we, he has a very old cat that has a lot of issues and I've run a lot of tests on this cat and, you know, it wasn't just me consulting, it was multiple like internists and stuff consulting to figure this out. We were talking the other day and he was like, you know, the biggest thing that I noticed to be a good doctor is you have to not know everything. And he said, because the thing I like about you and feel comfortable with is you tell me if you don't know something and you tell me I will get back to you. I have to figure this out. And you go and try to help find an answer or send me to somebody that would get the answer or, you know, maybe there isn't an answer. But ever since he came to me and I started using that mentality with him. He has not complained. He's been a pleasure to come in. He's always welcoming. He always wants to talk and see how everything is, not even just with work, but everything else, which is very nice. And I feel like when I have that conversation with people, knowing that I may not have all the answers, you build a connection that a lot of the times it's just, it's not just in and out, in and out, in and out. You're actually building the connection with the client which in turn will make trust you more. Yeah, for sure. That's been my experience too. I found that in general practice, it really helps to be able to kind of put it like in the context of, of human medicine. I say, look, if you were to go to your family practitioner and you had anything that was more complicated than, you know, a basic illness, you would be referred to a specialist. You know, once it got to a point that, that they couldn't really help or needed more expertise, they would send you to a specialist. And nobody even thinks twice about that because we have health insurance and everything along those lines. I'm your family practitioner. That's who I am. And there's things that I don't know. And I can't, I can only, we can only go so far in our clinic. And if referral is not an option for you, and for many of my patients, it is not an option for referral, then we'll just do one thing at a time and we'll get whatever answers we can as we get them. And sometimes response to treatment is the very useful diagnostic test. But we, you know, we have that conversation early and say, look, this is as far as we can go here. And we'll go up to that point. And then if we get there and we still don't know the answer, then you know, we just have to keep trying new things and we may not get the answer. And most of my clients are okay with that. And they, they understand that analogy that if if it were a person, they would be in an MRI or a CT scan right now, but that's not going to happen with their pet today. So one of the other things that I think I found when learning how to one, just figuring out the name imposter syndrome, like that was so helpful because all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, And then the other part of it was figuring out I wasn't alone. You know, they say up to 70% of Americans, I know we're a hundred percent right here, but 70% men, women, doesn't matter like who you are, what you are. Yeah. I think it's really, everyone has it. I know three people that don't (laughs) (laughs) because I specifically, because I was like, you know, you had brought it up the other day 
or yesterday. And so I was like, Hey, like doing some digging on the internet and asking people I run into. And one of them was like, I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never had those thoughts. Oh, oh in my, my gosh. Life. <laughs> my theory is that high achieving people are probably more likely to deal with it because they're always looking for that next step. They're always pushing themselves a little bit farther. And I guess I commend somebody who can still keep learning and growing and achieving and, and doesn't experience that because it seems like unless you're pushing your boundaries, unless you're getting beyond your edge, how could you not? I mean, that's a sign of growth is to get into your uncomfortable area. It all depends on how they, so from the research I've done, granted, let's keep that in mind, very limited. It all depends on how they view failure. Okay. Good point. Do you view failure as you are a failure and therefore not good, inadequate, blah, 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 blah. Or do you have that? I am a learner, a growth mindset where every time you fail, awesome. I just learned something new. I learned that that didn't work and I can learn this now. Like, here we go. Like I'm really consciously, you know, trying to look at, you know, there's no mistakes. There's just lessons. And, you know, we do need failure to grow. And so that is, I feel like with this, um, with the podcast and everything with setting it up, I felt like I had that mentality with us to try all the struggles that we did and everything that took us so long to set up and all the failures that we had and, you know, what we learned from it and kept moving on. I felt like, yeah, that's what, how I used it. I still have imposter syndrome for being on this. <laughs> you guys kind of we laugh because you looked at me as like your mentor and your leader. And I, let's be honest, I've only been doing this maybe eight months longer than you guys. You are our leader. You have your other one already established. Well, but it goes back to like we just said, like I made so many mistakes. I'm still making so many mistakes. And so, yeah, so the, the advantage I have, if you want to put it that way, is that I have failed more than you guys have so far. And so I have learned more lessons and now I have more knowledge and I have, you know, the ability to say, oh, no, did that. And that was a total disaster. So let's not do that again. You know, so that, that is my advantage in it. When it comes to motherhood and parenthood, and I know not everybody who's listening is, um, is a parent per se, but if you are or are thinking of becoming a parent, I feel like I have imposter syndrome daily because let's be honest, I, my oldest child, this is my first time parenting a child of that age, but my third child, I wasn't so freaked out by the infant stuff and the toddler stuff, but I now have a teenager. I'm the parent of a teenager. I'm the parent of a teenage driver. I'm the parent, you know, all these things that I've never experienced before. And so I'm constantly living, you know, it's an experiment every single day. So when we get there, and we'll go to Melissa. Yes. <laughs> yes, we will. Once again, you'll be our mentor. <laughs> Although it'll be a little bit different since you don't have a coffee shop within <laughs> 20 miles of your I really don't. House. Well, I have a coffee shop. I don't, they don't have a drive-thru. So no matter where it shows up, I know we talked about it working at home and all over. How do you like, how do you know your imposter syndrome is like flaring up? How do you recognize it? Because I think that was one of my biggest things. And then, you know, talking to everybody, it shows up in everybody so differently. I mean, we understand we have the same syndrome, but I think the symptoms are sometimes different. So what are your guys' symptoms? When I'm presented with a situation that I just feel that I'm not ready for, I'm like, I just feel like overwhelmed. Like I'm okay. not here. Like I'm not supposed to be getting this. Yeah. 
like go back to the phone call, like I'm overwhelmed because I'm afraid like of what I'm going to be asked because am I really going to know the answer to it? Right. I have to actually step back in my head and be like, wait a minute, I have the experience, I can do it. And if I don't know the answer, I say, I don't know, you know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. I just still feel like that overwhelming heart racing, anxiety type, I'm just not worthy of whatever is presenting in front of me. So I think there are, I have my body manifested in two different ways. Like if I'm in a scenario with somebody that I'm close with and I have some level of comfort with them, because you can still have that imposter syndrome, even with people that you know. Um, But if I feel like they're challenging my knowledge or they're challenging my worth, I can get very defensive and I can almost like lash out at times. And what I've recognized is that is my own insecurity that's doing that because I feel like they're looking at me as if I, I don't know, or I'm not worthy. And and that's, it's me. It's my story. That's what I'm hearing. It's not what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I I will get excited in that scenario with people that I'm close with. I have a tendency to be very defensive with people that I don't know as well, or people who I might um, envision as being of a higher status than I am. I talk too much. I, I talk too much. I just keep talking and I keep repeating myself and maybe I tweak things and say things a little bit different because I don't know when it's okay to stop talking. And I feel like, oh, if I just keep saying a few more things, then they're going to believe me. Then they're going to go, oh, this girl knows what she's talking about. When in reality, if I would probably just shut up and pause, it would be a lot more effective. See, it's so interesting to me because sometimes I get that really anxious, like, I am nauseous. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I don't know why. I just can't. And then I think for me, I freeze. Like I shut down. I stop talking unless you're closely related. And then I think I do the defensive thing where I like lash out and then I'm not nice. But at work or whatever, like I just shut down. I stop talking. I like if I'm speaking to a client, Like there's a big pause. Like I'm even reenacting it at the moment. Like just thinking about it, it's manifesting. Like I, there's a big pause. I'm like, okay, you have to speak. Like you have to say something. That's so interesting that you and I have like completely opposite sort of ways that that comes out. And, And to me, that's fascinating. And it really just comes from knowing yourself and knowing, you know, being able to recognize putting words to the feelings and and being able to kind of pull that apart. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a big step in being able to overcome it is recognizing when it's happening and why it's happening. Well, and then I think the other, the next big step in it is one recognizing it's happening. And then Maria, like you said, you stop the thoughts that are happening and then reframing them, you know, like, I don't know the answer to, I don't know the answer yet, or I don't know, I'm not good at this or whatever. I'm not good at this yet. Or I just don't have that skill set right now. You know, and reframing that language you're using, I think is key too. I don't know if this helps anybody, um, especially new grads. One of my bosses said this to me a long time ago, and it actually built my confidence up in the exam room because I was very quiet. When I first started, I was very quiet. I didn't talk much in the exam. I did my physical. I said, this is what I want to do. It was, but now I'm completely different. He told me that I need to think of the exam room as like a stage and I'm putting a show on for the client. 
and I watch, like, because I've mentored a ton of doctors, and I watch them walk in, and they're all quiet. And I say, watch. And I walk in, and I'm loud, and I'm bubbly, and I'm on the floor, and I'm talking, and I'm blah, 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 blah. At that point when I'm in that situation, because I feel like I'm in an active show with them, and I know it's weird to say it, my imposter syndrome is, like, pushed away because I'm taking my mindset because the mind is such a powerful thing. Like I'm taking my mind and being like, I have to go perform for mm-hmm. this client right now. And it just pushes everything away. And a lot of times when I do that, I feel myself talking, not realizing it. Like they'll ask me something and I'll just start talking and I'll leave the room. And then the text is that true. I was like, I think so. <laughs> and I walk out and I look up and it is. And it's because there's so much knowledge that we obtained in school and in clinics and in all the years that we've practiced that we can't physically pull it out directly. But when asked the question, when we're not hounding ourselves, it's there and it comes out and it comes out correct. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to say things in a room. And that's one thing that has helped me overcome that. And it's all from somebody telling me the exam room is a stage and you're putting on a show for the client. And I have gained a lot of clients from just the way that I handle the rooms because of that. Yeah. I just listened to um, like a practice management cons- like consulting CE thing here just a week ago. And he said the same thing. You know, he said that, yeah, you know, put on a show, pick up the otoscope, look at in the ear, even if you don't actually see the eardrum on your basic physical exam, you know, the client doesn't know that you didn't. If you're just doing a vaccination wellness exam, put on the show so that they feel like they are getting value for their time. You know, they're paying for not just the shots. You know, they, they saw that you looked in the ears, you looked in the eyes, you, you know, you did all the things that sometimes we just speed through and rush through. So, you know, this was from a business perspective. You don't want them to walk out of that room thinking all you did was come in and stick a needle in their pet. Yes, it's important. Obviously it's important to look in the eyes and the ears and all those things, but you know, maybe you wouldn't necessarily put the otoscope in every dog's ear. And if it's going to totally stress the dog out, no, then don't do it. But yeah, they need to see you doing those things because like you said, it is a show and they do need to, to see you doing the things that they think the role of the veterinarian you should be doing. And so that's part of to guy listened to read his book high performance habits so he actually interviewed like hundreds of high performers um one talks about imposter syndrome he's got a really good tough love youtube video about it that i watched today and i was like oh that's tough love <laughs> okay. should we should we put the link okay. on our show notes or was it too tough love i thought I'd, i think we should well i thought I'd, i found two of them that were really good one was a dr young that was awesome and then brendan's was great and one was like really nice and like this is how you approach it and the, then his was like get your act together <laughs> So I've got them. We can definitely link them. But another one of his thoughts too is every time he enters a room, he triggers himself the habit of how can I serve the person that I'm walking in to see? How can I help them? You know, what is my goal for this meeting in this room? I mean, it's not exactly the same terms, but I think it's a lot of the same idea, Maria. You know, you're setting that intention walking into that room. And I think it helps with way more than imposter syndrome. 
So I found that I earlier in my career struggled with this, maybe even a little bit more with my tech than my clients when I was younger. And I felt like I needed to prove my knowledge to my assistants and my technicians. Marie mentioned you you came out of the room and your tech asked, is that true? And that probably used to give me a lot more anxiety. And I don't know if they were questioning me to undermine me. I've been fortunate. I've never been in a scenario like that. I know that's not true for everybody, but especially when I was young and some of these techs had been there for years. Years. Like they've been in the industry and in the profession for way longer than I had been. And they probably did know more than I did about a lot of things. And I was kind of shaking in my shoes back in the treatment area or in the surgery room or, you know, when they're looking at me because I'm the doctor and I should have the answers. And I was like, I, yeah. I don't know. And, you know, I'm doing surgery and things are bleeding and they're like, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to cry. That's what I'm going to do about it. <laughs> and some of that is just, I mean, time. I mean, time and experience is the, is the overall solution to a lot of that. But and now I think because I have been at it for almost 20 years and I, I'm just okay with being like, nope, don't know the answer to this one. Nope probably not going to fix this one, you know? <laughs> and so I wonder for, you know, for the technicians that may be listening and I know that they go through, I know that they definitely go through it. If there's sort of that, you know, with the veterinarians, do they have veterinarians that are making them feel like they don't know what they're doing? And I will say that Melissa, I've seen doctors make vet tech seem like they don't know what they're doing. What to me isn't right. I have to say the certified techs that I've worked with were phenomenal to the point where I did not have to worry about a thing. Nothing. They knew everything. If I didn't have the answer, they had the answer. And I think that the doctors that do make the text feel inadequate or feel like, no, I'm right because I'm the doctor are really losing something valuable because ever since I came out and I was a tech before, I was a tech for a very long time before I went to school. And ever since I came out, I knew that I had to respect my technicians because they have so much knowledge. And I feel when you get out of that school, you don't know how to be that. And the technicians are there to guide you. I would almost bet, and I don't know in every situation, but I would bet in a majority of those situations when that's happening, it's because the vet is dealing with imposter syndrome and the vet really doesn't know the answer and they're panicking, right? And they're doing what I, we say is one of the things that happens when I'm feeling challenged or I'm feeling, you know, insecure is they're lashing out and they're getting defensive, mm-hmm. which is the wrong thing to do. Like you said, because that could be your best ally. So that behavior is, I'll bet you it is rooted in very deep in insecurity. Not that that's an excuse. That is absolutely not an excuse. And so if you are a veterinarian that you find yourself in that situation where you are now lashing out at your technicians and your nurses, dig deep and ask yourself why you're doing it. You know, if you are feeling insecure and you're feeling threatened, that's not their fault, you know, and it's not your fault either. It's normal. It's human. It's natural, but just take a deep breath and just, it's okay to not know the answer. I think the other thing is that people need to start, like when you have this imposter syndrome come over you, I know I get a lot of anxiety with it, but if you sit there and look at everything that you have accomplished so far and, you know, start putting out all the positive energy that you have done in your life or your career or whatever aspect it is, a lot of the times it just reassures your confidence that you can do this, that you can get through it. And I think a lot of times with the imposter syndrome overtaking us, some people can't separate that, but you really need to learn how to pull yourself back from the situation. So speaking of all the things you've overcome, have you guys ever heard or read or watched David Goggins? No. No. Mm -mm. Oh my Lord. This man is like, I'm not even going to go into details. 
y'all can go Google him. We'll put that um, one in the show notes yes. too. So um, I have never gotten brave enough to actually sit down and read his books. I've only watched his interviews and the man is intense with a capital I. Caps lock all the way through. But the point being is one of his biggest takeaways that I took from him is he calls it a cookie jar. And so what you do is you make a list of all the things you've accomplished, all the hard things you've done in your life, not just vet med, not just anywhere, but your whole life. And you physically write it down or I have to write things down. He didn't write it down. He's amazing. (laughs) But so essentially when he is in the middle of something hard, he reaches in the cookie jar. I did this. I can keep going why not try it out? And so like, I literally, I made a little cookie jar and wrote it all in. Yes. But I mean, it's something that's helped. And you know, yeah. When the imposter syndrome kicks in, it's like, okay, I survived four years of vet school. I can handle this client. You know, if it's a really bad day, I actually pull it out and like read. <laughs> I survived Dr. Sellen's small animal medicine. Like I can survive. Like any Washington state grads will totally know that one, but <laughs> Oh my God, if he ever finds out. He's a very <laughs> wonderful, kind man. He really pushed me hard, but I learned a lot and I have never forgotten. Okay. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, I think we are all in agreement. Most of us have experienced it. There are elite few in their lives that are apparently way more adjusted than we are. They haven't dealt with it, but it's normal. It's natural. It's to experience it. And definitely, you know, maybe some ways of overcoming it is one, knowing you're not alone. And there's a high likelihood the person in the room with you has experienced it or is actually experiencing it at the same time. And being able to recognize the feelings when they happen and being able to take a step back and knowing how you are responding to it. And maybe to start observing yourself, you know, from up above, if you can, you know, recognizing that, okay, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I did. And so that the next time when it happens, maybe you can improve and learn and grow and it's okay. It's okay to feel it. It's normal to feel it. Just learn from it. My hack this week is for exam tables. And we had on our treatment room, like tub table, we had the very nice, thick, very expensive pad, you know, the the green thick cushion. Those things are ridiculously expensive. And we wanted something when we built our new clinic uh, a few years ago, we wanted something for the exam tables, but we didn't want to spend a fortune on them. So what we have put on our exam tables, and there's two different things that people are using, but what we used were just like fatigue mats, like anti-fatigue kitchen mats. Wow. They're cheap. I mean, you can go to Target or Amazon or wherever you want and order one. You know, you don't just need one. Make sure that the dimensions fit your exam table, but they are easy to clean. They have just enough cushion that helps the pets be a little bit more comfortable and they are inexpensive. So if somebody drags a nail through it or silver nitrate gets all over it or whatever, you can pitch them and for 20 bucks, get a new one. The other thing that somebody else told me that they are using are yoga mats. They just take a yoga mat and just kind of cut it to size for their exam table. Now I would imagine you're going to want a fairly like solid surface mat and not one that's got all the little grooves and indentions and that kind of thing. Cause that's kind of a cleaning nightmare, but yeah. And if you need an exam room cushion, yoga mat or anti-fatigue floor mat is the way to go because it's just enough cushion. It stays put on the table, easy to clean and fairly inexpensive. So that's my, that's my hack for today. It's a wonderful that's awesome. hack. A really good hack. I will take some pictures of ours and hopefully yes. put that on our links. 
um, for the show. For the, if you go to the website and go to the page for this episode, I'll put some pictures of ours. And so, and if you have pictures cool. of what you're using, listeners, please send them. If you are using yoga mats or you're yes. using something like that, we would love to see it because we're always looking for great ideas like that. Okay. So now let's hear Anne's fail. So my kids are girls. Yes, but we still play sometimes like boys, right? So we will have family pillow fights or family pass the ball back and forth. Oops, sister got hit in the head. And then it's funny. And then it's like slapstick comedy the whole time, right? (laughs) Well, I am not allowed to play in the pillow fights anymore. I can be hit in the pillow fight, but I cannot actually throw pillows at anyone in my family because every time I do, every time I play, I get, I was put in timeout for the first couple. Now I'm just not allowed because every time I play, somebody winds up crying. They're fine. They're okay. But like a pillow will hit them a little too hard and they'll fall over or, you know, something or they tip over and bonk their head or something always happens. So my mom feel is that I definitely enjoy our pillow fights a little too much. Sounds like they just need to toughen up. I don't see what the problem is here. I agree with you, Melissa. (laughs) But I got voted out of pillow fights. (laughs) Oh, you're Girls are going to be traumatized from mom attacking them with pillows. Yeah. My oldest nailed me in the eyeball with a football today though. So (laughs) we're okay. Sure. It was an accident. Right. I was like, that was not an accident. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) you're stinker. You're just raising them to be assertive women. That's all. Let's hear Maria's win. <laughs> so it comes from four years ago. So I was in the room. You know when things happen in the room and it's just so funny and you wish that you got it on video because you'll never get to relive it? Well, I was in the room with a diabetic cat and his anal glands were full and I finished his anal glands and I'm pulling off my gloves and I turn around and all of a sudden I see my technician get smacked across the face. All I have to say is thank God for security video. <laughs> So what we did is we pulled the video, we recorded it on the phone, and then my lovely technician, who wasn't smacked by the cat, put music to it. (laughs) If you ever are having a bad day, this is my pick-me-up when I have a bad day. If you ever are having a bad day, please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe (laughs) and watch the video of the technician getting smacked by the cat. I hope the cat was declawed. Was the cat declawed? He was. (laughs) Oh, good. There's yeah, less what cop involved in that. That's like the first question people get. But watch this video, Funny. and the best part is after the cat smacks her, her reaction. Go to our YouTube channel and take a look. So my life when is for having security cameras <laughs> in the exam room to catch the ridiculous moments that happen. Oh, we don't have cameras in the exam room. We have them in like the treatment area. We have them like everywhere else in the hospital. Well, that is a great win, Maria. And you know what? I don't know. I don't think I've seen the video yet. So I will. Oh, it's already up on our YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. (laughs) And right now I'm currently um, asking for comments because we're doing a caption this video. Oh, there we go. Oh, I told you my options were not appropriate. (laughs) Well, ladies, thank you for such a great discussion today. I think we've done, we've covered a lot. We've covered imposter syndrome. We've covered and beating up her children with pillows and Maria and her surveillance 
video footage of, well, an aggressive and maybe Anne and the cat have some things in common, you know, there's some comparisons there. And then I had my, my hack of anti-fatigue and yoga mats on the exam table. Maybe if the cat would have had an anti-fatigue mat, he wouldn't have been so stressed and he would have it out the way he did. He could have worked out his cat cow on the yoga mat. And I love that technician so much. She's so <laughs> wonderful. I She really is an amazing tech and I love her dearly. But it literally is the funniest thing that I can't even, I, I laugh <laughs> knowing I'm going to watch the video. So I, if that does not inspire you to go to our YouTube channel and watch the video, I don't know what will. So. I don't know either. And once you do that, after you do that, and after you have subscribed, because that is very important to us. We really want to be able to keep in touch with you and share all of our videos and fun things that we are posting all the time. Please also go to whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on right now and give us a rating, hopefully a good rating. If you don't think you're going to give us a good rating, ignore what I'm saying and just move on. (laughs) Good honesty. Right, right. But If you like us so far and you want to maybe help us out a little bit, give us a good review. Give us a good rating. Actually, those are two different things. Ratings and reviews are not the same. So you can give us that five-star rating. And then in the bottom, just right under that, give us a little review. And what do you like? Or maybe things you want to hear or things that have made you laugh, anything. It helps us because it gets our show visible to more listeners. That's really the only thing, the main reason why we want those ratings and reviews, just because we want to be able to reach more people. And that is a good way to be able to do it. You can catch us on all the social medias. We are pretty much at DVM Divas on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. That's where Pinterest, I think. We're on Pinterest, right? Mm-hmm. We are on Pinterest. Yes, we are. So, <laughs> dvmdivas.com at dvmdivas. We're not hard to find. Please look us up on any of those platforms. Give us a shout. Give us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate all of the listeners and we appreciate hearing from you. So please send us online and we'll continue the conversation. And you never know, maybe one of your hacks will end up on a future episode. <laughs>